Day Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, April 25th, 2022, and this week's episode, The Weekend of Wild Finishes. We'll be kicking things off talking about UFC Vegas 51, the strawweight bout between Amanda Lemos and Jessica Andrade, and the highlights of the undercard. Then we'll be talking about a stacked weekend in Bellator, controversial finishes, exciting matchups, and some shocking ends to some very high-profile fights, so plenty to discuss there. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Are we closer to the reality of Francis Ngannou boxing Tyson Fury? And who will fight Marvin Vittori now that Robert Whittaker has been has w- been forced to withdraw from his bout? Stay tuned. And we'll top off the show talking about this coming weekend's fight, UFC Vegas 52, and the bantamweight bout between Rob Font and Marlon Chito Vera. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Gabriel, and I am joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Double G. Happy Monday. Happy, uh, that's it. That's all I got. How are you doing? Good. You know, it was, so here's the thing, because I remember keeping track of it. Last year, even though there was, you know, so much MMA, so many of the uh, promotions got rolling, we never had the the quad, the, the uh, quadruplet, how would you call it? But we never had a week with all four UFC, Bellator, One, and PFL. This past week is the first time, and not for nothing, we didn't even have one Bellator event. We had two. Two, yeah. So to be on the other side of th- that insanity is just like, you know what? I, I- I'm glad. I, I, you know, just one prom. Well, sorry, two promotions, just two fight cards, different nights. I'm like, oh, you know, I kind of prefer this schedule a little better. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was nice. Uh, it was nice to keep it busy. It was definitely a change. It was like, oh boy, I have a a lot more, um, you know, MMA fighting to combat sports to watch. And then, you know, I didn't get to watch it. I didn't go out of my way to watch it. But even Tyson Fury was fighting, you know, boxing stuff. So a lot going on. Plus, uh, what? Man. Just <laughs> life is... Nothing exciting happened in my life, did it? I, I went to a car show at the Peterson Automotive Museum. So that was fun. Oh, I love that place. Yeah, it's super cool, man. My husband... Um, it was like for Japanese classic cars, and he drives a Civic Type R, uh, a new one, not a, not an old one. But he entered it in the in the in the show, you know. So we got to park there in the parking lot with all the other Hondas. And check this out: uh, there's a man who goes around in the Supra, the orange Supra that Paul Walker drove in the first Fast and Furious, and yep. he he dresses like Vin Diesel, like like Dominic Toretto. And his girlfriend dresses like, uh, what's her name? Um, the, the, the girl, yeah. Le- the Letty, sister, right? Uh, oh, the, no, no, oh, Letty, the, Letty. The Mexican girl, yeah. What's Michelle her? Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez, thank you. Yeah. Dresses like her, and they just walk around. <laughs> it's hilarious. So anyway, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> you know what? We've got to talk about that off the air. That's almost, almost sure. as much fun as this weekend. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, a chill week. Um, to be honest, after I travel, I kind of like not having to be on the grind of like, oh, you know nine hour days all locked into one you know four by four little space at a media day so i kind of like just like okay you know i could do it a little more leisure there's less pressure on everything i like but anyway let's talk about it let's start with ufc and we're going to work our way back okay so obviously ufc vegas 51 the return of jessica andrage to the strawweight division and i think people kind of sleep on the fact 
she went two and one at flyweight. You know, she beat Caitlin Chukagian, she beat Cynthia Calvillo, and her one loss at 125 pounds was to some girl named Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah. And I think that people weren't, and I I touched on a little bit, people just didn't seem to want to put that in context. Like, coming off the title loss to Zhang Weili, her immediate fight was against Rose Namajunas. And I believe that one went to split decision. It was a competitive fight. Yeah. So this idea that Jessica Andrade was not like in that top three, top five conversation, I'm not going to lie. It, it was a little jarring to me. And to be honest, she went out there and she showed people, you know, it's like, it, like, don't disrespect me like that again. Like the gangster she is. <laughs> now, Amanda Lemos, she had a great start to the fight using her range you know, just get some whip on those kicks, trying to establish her presence, make Jessica feel like, hey, you can't just run me over. And honestly, I think it was just that veteran savvy. People, I think they forget when you talk about Jessica with her physicality, she's a very, very competent grappler. And when she created that scramble on the feet and Lemos was out of position, she just jumped on her and she goes for that standing rear naked choke, standing arm triangle. Um... And she gets the finish. She gets Lemos to tap out after some work. And you got to think other fighters, not only females, but some of the men, that's a difficult move to pull off. You need it even by MMA standards, even by these, you know, fit, you know, athlete standards. You need a particular level of grip strength to complete a move like that. And Jessica Andrade, not for nothing, she didn't make, it didn't look like it was difficult. It looked like it wasn't the squeeze that gave her a problem. She just needed a little bit of a, a little bit of shuffling in the position, a little adjustment, and she got that finish pretty solidly. And I was just very impressed. What about you? I was too. You know, yeah. Let's not count Jessica Andrade out by any means. You look at the at the record, and the 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 activity across different weight classes. Like no one's done that. Okay, so she's still at the top of her game. Limos was there to fight. I mean, look, l- no pressure on Limos, right? But she's in the red corner, main event. Like, this was a big moment for her, and she she did her best. But, yeah, what impressed me the most is Andrade saw the opening and just jumped at it like a like a snake, like a, you know, a cobra, viper attacking. Like, she swung her left arm in the perfect position, pushed her against the cage, locked in the triangle. And it did look relatively easy. She just had to hold on, adjusted a little bit. You know, they spun around. Like, Limos looked very uncomfortable in that uh, in that exchange, in that submission hold. Uh, you know, I I had to actually rewind a couple times. I couldn't see the tap, but but once I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, it's clearly it's clearly hurting her, squeezing on her neck, her jaw, and everything. So I'm happy for Andrade to get the win. I'm also happy that she was the first uh, fighter ever in the UFC to do this standing uh, arm triangle. That doesn't happen very often when you're the first to do a submission in the UFC in 2022. Now, I don't have my submission dictionary, you know. I don't know all the submissions that are that exist in the world, but it's pretty cool when you when you still manage to to finish an opponent with one that hasn't been used in the UFC before. So, good on her. Yeah, for sure. I think it was... Um... Some things is just like rightfully so. I think uh, people sleep on just how many. I, I think she's up there with some of the most finishes in the UFC. So to get that recognition and just kind of reach that 
milestone was pretty cool. And like I said, I, I think people kind of slept on, oh, you know, she had her shot at the strawweight title. She held it and she lost it. And now it it felt like the narrative was like, are we trying to move on? And instead, it, it, you know, Jessica, she sets herself up for a big, ha- you know, second half of 2022. Uh, Mackenzie Dern is the first person I thought if we're talking about getting back to a title shot, Mackenzie stands out. Jan Shannon, if Mackenzie's looking for a different fight, that one stands out. Um, there's just Marina Rodriguez doesn't make sense because Marina is waiting for a title shot as she should at this point. Um, Zhang Wei Li, Joanna, I think it's just a scheduling thing. They're still about a month out from competing. It could happen, but um, you think maybe the winner of that one could factor in. But yeah. It, to me, I feel like we'll most likely see either Mackenzie or Jan Shannon be next for Jessica Andrash. What about you? I really like Mackenzie. That's a great matchup. You know, you have her rising star power, Andrash, the 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 veteran who's still very much in it. Like still, as I said at the beginning, at the top of her game, this is a really exciting matchup, right? Because Mackenzie has the grappling. She's also very physically strong. She has hurting bombs in her hands. Andrash is just all around strong, and and clearly has a submission game of her own. So that's the one I'd want to see most. And Andrade, unless something happened that we're not aware of, she's got to be in, in you know pretty good condition, ready to go again rather soon. What I can't remember is how Mackenzie Dern came out of her last fight. Can you remind me? if I can't remember how that ended. She went to decision with Tish okay. Torres, remember? That's right, but, that's um, right. You know, not, didn't take heavy damage, but... You, you fight 15 minutes, you don't usually go in two weeks, you know? No, of course not. Yeah. Okay, so maybe maybe three months. That's a perfect matchup. I, I would love to see that one. Oh, I, I think that they're going to be a big fight in the second half of the year. I think that, you know, may, they could try to pu- put them in July, but I think that they're more going to bolster late summer, one of those yeah. cards. Okay. Probably it should be a pay-per-view fight. I think that that helps sell any pay-per-view at a good time. So that's what I think. Um, uh, before we move on to Bellator stuff, I got to shout out, uh, Claudio Puelles with that knee bar on Clay Guida. And this is now his third knee bar in the UFC. Um, I've said it like, um, not recently cause we don't have as many attempts, but they never complete knee bars. Knee bars just never get finished. There's so many, like, you know, you could hit your opponent still. You could get your knee taken when you go for it. And it's like, they're. Ne- I used to say, it's like, they're never going to complete a knee bar. Every time they go, oh, he's going for the knee bar. They're, they're not going to complete it. They never complete it. This dude went out there, has, th- has two already, and got the third one on a vet. And not for nothing, beautiful grappling exchanges. For as long as it lasted, I just appreciated the display of grappling from Claudio. Dude, that was slick as heck, man. Like, yeah, the transitions, you know, he was just going from whatever limb he could find. He was, you know, or neck. He was, oh, this, no, okay, this one's open. And once he got that leg, he just moved so fast, locked it up, twisted it. I mean, it was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, Also a fellow countryman from Peru, so happy for that. And, uh, yeah, man, the, the, the more interesting thing is in the interview when he says that he doesn't even practice that in, uh, in training, you know, he's just like, he's just like flowing and free and he just acts when he sees it in the cage. So he's an impressive fellow. Keep an eye out for him. 
That's like when Sean O'Malley says he's never like trained striking. He just, you know, like when he got it. I'm that I don't like, believe. All right. It's like, I, I get it. You want to sound like some beast, but come on. No, no one's that good without practice. No one's that good. Sorry. <laughs> Michael Jordan. Hey, Michael Jordan was, you know, like, we're going to go out there and we're going to train harder. Okay. You know, see, there you go. Yeah. It doesn't take away from the greatness to say you work hard, you know? Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't well, it have been just as impressive if he said, I practice that every day. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, there was a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, Charles Jordan uh, chokes the pants off Lando Venata. Oh, yeah. You saw that, that was, clip. like, embarrassing. That was, don't see that every day. <laughs> arm? I mean, I he mean, did it with one arm and, and pants the guy, like, just. <laughs> I gotta say, um, look, for one, that was a that was a sick finish. Charles Jordan is no joke, but I'm glad they wear the compression shorts under yeah. the fight trunks. Just gonna put throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, the whole Dean Barry Mike Jackson thing. By the way, Mike Jackson fighting for the first time in like three years since he I, beat I, up <laughs> CM Punk. I know. And it's like, and it was a, it was just a weird one. I was like, um. I understand why this was at the very beginning of the fight card where uh, there might not be as much traffic. You get what I mean? Yeah, man. I just wonder why, like, what's the reason for him being, like, still being in the UFC, you know? Remember when he fought CM Punk, he just sat on him and didn't finish him. Dana White was all mad. At, and, and like, you know, what's his record? Like, oh, one and two? Yep. Um now and uh you know no offense but like they could have called they could have called you hey we need someone to to fight on our card <laughs> Natalie, <laughs> like, do you want to see me die come on now don't <laughs> let's not get crazy i just i'm just curious <laughs> why the matchmakers <laughs> picked him is it like a favor is it just uh you know we needed someone and he was the only person free i i find that hard to believe so i mean it, it might just be a factor like look maybe like, you want to get them off your books officially, you know? Like, oh, I see. The And the contract, whatever deal they had. Like, just... you know what? He's taking up space at the PI, so, you know. That's true. It's a good point. It. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. It was a little perplexing, but power to him. Yeah, um, good for him. <laughs> yeah, a longtime photographer for LFA. I'm not sure if he's still the guy, but for a long time, like, all of LFA photos on socials and all that are Mike yeah. Jackson. So, um. You know, look, look, he's involved in the sport. Of course, of course. Uh, same night, running near concurrently. It actually, it actually ended. It, it, well, not concurrently. It actually started, I believe, a little bit right after the UFC, if not right at the tail end of it. Bellator 279 from Honolulu. So it's the second night. So the Chris Cyborg Arlene Blanco fight. We will talk about Velasquez and Carmouche, but. Um, five rounds of this, and my only takeaway was that not only did Blanco take some, but there were a couple moments where she stood her ground and she just cracked Cyborg back. Like, you know what? No, like, if I'm going down, you're going down taking a few of these. I appreciated it. I appreciate that Arlene, you know, look, I think this was her third or fourth shot at the Bellator title, 39 years old probably feeling look it's either now or never to make it happen and she didn't roll over um there was that moment uh i think before the illegal knee in the first round you know cyborg drops her and it feels like oh it 
Here we go again. Yeah. And Arlene, credit to her, she answered the call. And and it made for a fun fight. Uh, Chris Cyborg was a step ahead of her most of the night. Like I said, took some shots, but she was the one making things happen. She was the one getting in there and mixing it up and landing more. Decision never in doubt, but still a fun fight nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. Totally fun fight. I love, for me, the the highlights are round five before Arlene Blanco, uh, before the ref lets her fight, you know, calls him into fight. She's pounding her chest like a warrior, ready to go, last last round of battle, you know, last minute of the fight, pointing to the center of the cage, like, let's go. You love that spirit. And I don't think you're going to find greater fight fans than, than you will in Hawaii. Uh, and, and they were, you could just feel their energy, man. They were so excited. They were loving every second of both cards, both nights. But this was a big moment. And uh, that whole that whole arena was was going they put on a show. They entertained us, Cyborg and, and Blanco. So, you know, there's a, there's nothing but thumbs up over here. I was going to say, be careful. The Irish and the English might have some thoughts for of this course, statement. But, you know. <laughs> oh, it was popping. I love poppin to remind sure. you that I was there once. And so <laughs> I felt it, man. I sat there in those in that room in that Blaisdell Arena. It's something else. So so I guess I should go to Ireland and England and compare. But yeah. <laughs> you might be like, oh, dude, like Gabriel, I, I, I have to apologize on Sorry, the guys. air. <laughs> no, um, by the way, the arenas are big. The, the venues are bigger in Ireland. Much bigger. Than, oh, yeah. <laughs> in England. Anyway, um, to the Grand Prix fight. Oh, sorry. Um, Chris Cyborg, uh, they got to make Katzengano next. Um, I heard Scott Coker talk about it. He elaborated on the whole PFL thing. He said... Oh, PFL's talking about co-promotion, co-promotion, Chris Cyborg, Kayla Harrison. And Scott Coker said, nobody's even called me. They have yep. my number. I've heard nothing from them about making something happen. I'm open to it, but no one's talked to me. And in, he called it, it's like, it's childish. They're like, oh, they're uh-huh. talking about it on social media, but they're not coming to the table with anything. I took that as enough to say... We should not hold our breath for a Kayla Harrison cyborg fight in the near future. Now, yeah, I think they pissed off the even keeled, you know, Scott Coker because they're forcing him to take his time to answer these questions, and PFL is playing games, right? They want they want Scott Coker to be his back against the wall, saying, "Oh no, no, I don't want this." But he he responded well and perfectly to say exactly what you said, which is like, "No one's called me, so stop with these games. Like, let's just go sit down at the table and talk." Well done. Yeah, I, I think ultimately it'll be... I think Chris Cyborg will most likely fight one more time before, quote, free agency. And I, I'm putting my money. They're, they're going to push for Kat Zingano. And they'll tell Kat Zingano, look, either take this or let, don't expect to be a priority getting it later. Like, we'll, like Cyborg will go box before she fights you. I, I think that there's got to be a little bit because... I don't know what Kat's waiting for, but when you look at this featherweight division, it's kind of it kind of feels like now or never. Like she's been in Bellator, I think, three years now. Mm-hmm. For it's just what are we waiting for? And I know she's coming off the injury that removed her from the Pam Sorensen fight, but once again, it's like we've seen everyone else. We know what the fight is to make. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that. Um, going to the Grand Prix, uh, Rofion Stotts, 
that was a fun as long as it lasted, but I was just so impressed. He was putting it together really well against a tough veteran in Juan Archuleta. Um, I have said, I, I almost feel like sometimes Juan looks a little bit drawn out. I couldn't help but wonder if that's what kind of led to his ability to take the shot yeah. that ultimately ended it. But you got to give credit where it's due. That was a great finish. Rofian, I believe it was the third round. You know, sees the opening, sets up that. By the way, I think maybe people thought they were going to grapple more. Sets up the head kick, takes him out. It looks like flash KO. Rafion, as uh, I believe uh, John McCarthy brought up, woke him up with the mm-hmm. follow-up shots. But yeah. uh, you know what? Just great performance. Remember that Juan was, I believe, no, Rafion was preparing for his teammate Sergio Pettis. Comes through. Handles the adjustment well, takes out a tough veteran, claims the interim title, moves to the semifinals. You know what? Bravo. You know, slow hand clap. That was great. <laughs> I like that. I, I won't touch that. <laughs> um, then Patchy Mix upsets Kyoji Horiguchi. Um, and I think we talked about it that, you know, following the Pettis Kyoji fight in December, oh, well, a rematch is kind of what they're aiming for. And I I said it, I think we touched on it. The probability of both of them actually making it to the final was always going to be very tough because that field is so loaded in Bellator in the tournament. And we, we saw exactly why. Do I think it was still an upset? Yes, but Patchy was also on a great run leading up to his fight with Juan. And he was always underdog but a live dog you know it it was never going to be a blowout but I was very impressed I think he did a lot of things well and he just routed Kyoji Horiguchi not the most exciting fight but you got to acknowledge it was dominant too yeah and then if I'm not mistaken let me pull up the bracket so Stotts will fight the winner of Leandro Higo and Danny Sabatello who picked up his victory on Friday night that fight is expected to happen in June and then Magomed Magomedov will fight Enrique Barzola, who also picked up his victory on Friday yeah. night. So the wild cards are set. So now it's the end of the first round will take place in June. And you're expecting the semifinals to take place sometime in late 2022. So that's where we're at. So the only unfortunate thing is we're not expected to see Stotts or Mix for a while going into the end of the year. Um, and then finally, uh, on Saturday night, I just want to touch on it. Justine Kish, three three losses in a row, I believe. And she was fighting Alimale McFarlane, who's, uh, by the way, she got she got a better walkout than Chris Cyborg and Arlene. <laughs> I mean, and rightfully so, you know, like this is her this is her show. It always has been. Yeah. And Bellator's respects her with that. I love the quote from Justine during media day. If you didn't see it, she said, oh, they asked her, how did you react when they offered you Lima in Hawaii? Uh And she said, like, you know, I was talking to my friends and then I realized, oh, my God, I think I just became a tomato can. (laughs) She was brought in to lose that fight. Yeah. Oh, and three... She had yep. been cut from UFC. She had that. I'm not going to bring it up, but if you know what happened to her in UFC, yes, you know what happened. I remember, I remember, yeah. Yeah. She was brought in to roll over as Alima got the homecoming 
And if you ask me, Justin Kish handled business. I thought Alima looked in great shape despite the layoff, kind of like Misha Tate when we talked about her recently. Like she just looked like she had worked off the ring rust, so to mm-hmm. speak, physically. Maybe her timing was off, but I think that she had great entries when she tried to take down Kish. I thought she stood her ground well with Kish. Kish just got the better of all these positions, out grappled her, out struck her. And I, I was like, I tweeted it out. It's like, I think I was, I think I just became a tomato can. Nah, girl. No, you didn't. <laughs> Anything to add? Yeah, a couple of things. You know, uh, first, Alima Lay did physically, you know, physique, she looked great. If you follow her Instagram, she said she's, you know, sober now, not been drinking at least for, you know, a good part of this year. Um, if you start walking down the street, you'd be like, that lady's in great shape. But what I what I noticed in the cage was that she she looked very thin. I think she could use a little bit more um, muscle building. If you when you see her compared to Justine Kish and how Lima used to look in previous fights, like I mean, she needs to pack on a little bit of muscle. And I think that was part of what led to her not being able to get any advantages in the grappling exchanges up against the cage. Like she just didn't have enough power. And Might also be a bit of the injury layoff too. Yeah, yeah, and then you know she was kind of like uh, moving her arm, kind of funny. She was, she was even just moving around in general in the cage a little bit weird. If you also saw later in her Instagram, she posted a picture of herself on a gurney with a neck brace on post fight. So I don't know, you know, you know something was definitely up. Disappointing to lose in Hawaii, but look, she's she's got the love of the people. She had that great that great um walkout. I think. Um, it just it is what it is at this point, right? Like she's gonna have to recoup her body a little bit and then come back and and get back in the win column. But it was surprising. It was surprising to see that that she wasn't able to get it done. I think a lot of it is is the is the body not being there for her. Yeah, that's fair. Um, like it look long layoff. I think uh, Scott Coker said she might have like injured her neck in one of those early exchanges. Um, Look, obviously, only she knows for sure where she's at, how she was feeling. Uh, still fought a gritty fight for those three rounds, so it was quite something. But, um, yeah, like, uh, I just want to give full credit to Kish. I know yeah. she's brought in the lose, and that that wasn't going to be how it went down on Saturday night. And I think anyone who gets in there deserves credit when you, you could clearly see that what was kind of being set up right there. Yeah, man, she she definitely... Stayed focused, right? Like, didn't let all that get to her and just did her job. And and that's got to feel good. Got to move on to Friday night, though. Oh, Mm. my gosh. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. This is the most discussed one, I think, of the whole weekend, including Jessica, including Chris, including... uh, There was, like I said, it's a wild weekend of MMA. And, you know, Tyson Fury and everything. Uh... So the first round starts with Juliana Velasquez and Liz Carmouche. Liz kind of trying to set up her physicality. Use go to the calf kicks, try to take away some of that power and make her a little more of a stationary target. Not a blowout, but I felt like Juliana was still staying ahead. That counter left was money. She was finding a home for it. She was lighting up Liz. I think that Liz just... She was... She wasn't getting blown out by the physicality because 
I think we've talked about it. Liz Carmouche is one of the more powerful athletes at 125 in the uh-huh. women's flyweight division. Juliana's just got more horsepower behind her. She just seems stronger than many of the girls in many exchanges. She just seems to hit a little harder than many of the girls in many of the exchanges. But it still felt like Liz was, and it felt like Liz was struggling with that. It felt like, you know, she was just struggling to get it going when it came time to collide with Juliana in those exchanges. So technical fight, not a blowout, but I still had Juliana up 3-0. and They had a couple grappling exchanges and Juliana would do okay. Um, and then we get to that last one, the end, you know, the, what was it? The third round or the fourth round? It was I round four, four. Yeah. So we're going into round five. Juliana's up three and zero. Another competitive round, but I still had Juliana. That goes to the end of the round. It's a toss up whether or not Liz would have won it. Because mm-hmm. even if it goes like that last minute or so in the crucifix, I don't know that the the lack of damage was there, and that's where it comes down to for me. And I'm going to toss it to you right now. Liz is raining down short elbows, has Juliana locked in the crucifix. Nothing looks like it's doing devastating damage. Nothing looks like it's anything more than her trying to stay active and just maintain position. Show that you're not just holding her there, which they wouldn't stand it up. It's a crucifix. It's not like you're on top in guard. And Beltran steps in um, and stops the fight. I want to get your thoughts on the fight before we talk about the finish, because obviously the finish is going to be its own segment entirely. Yeah, the fight, I agree with you. You know, Velasquez was up, but she was, it was by no means a blowout. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say that at that, up to that point, the fight could have gone either way. Velasquez was doing just a little bit more, was not a barn burner, um, but it, it, it was just that. So when you get to that moment in round four, where there's like a minute left or something, Carmouche takes her down. She manages to put the left knee over the right arm. And the other side, the other arm, I, I don't know what the what Carmouche's knee was doing, but, but Velasquez was squished up against the cage, right? So there wasn't anywhere for her to go in that direction. Yep. Pity pat shots at the beginning, the elbows that, you know, everyone's calling them short elbows. I mean, I got to say even less distance. What's less than short? Less distance because <laughs> the elbow was hardly even leaving the forehead. It was more like rubbing. Okay, fine. But then there was a little separation. Then we started getting some good shots in there. A couple, um, forehead, nose, and then that's it. Beltran steps in. Now, Liz in the interview says, uh, you know, I think it was a good stoppage. I was just going to keep doing that. Um, but there were only 12 seconds left. Now, the ref isn't supposed to consider the clock when they step in to stop a fight. Um, But to me, look, it wasn't an outrageous stoppage, okay? Could could enough damage have been done in the 12 remaining seconds for Velasquez to have been really hurt and finished? It's possible. Um, It wasn't an outrageous stoppage, but it's disappointing. What you don't want when you win a belt is for there to be controversy around that victory. And like you said, at the top of this of this conversation about this fight, that's all anybody's talking about. This whole weekend of fights, they're just mostly talking about this. There's a lot of outrage. Velasquez was clearly, uh, you know, furious. Carmouche played it cool. She played it cool. You know, I think she really, either she really believes that she was going to win that fight at the end of that round no matter what, or she's just like, I'm not going to, why am I going to, you know, 
add any doubt to this moment. I'm going to enjoy it. So I'm not outraged. But man, like Velasquez was not out by any means. You know, she wasn't in, in she wasn't hurt. Now she was she was um, neutralized, but she hadn't gotten really hurt yet. That That's where I'll toss it back to you. I'm going to say something I say a lot in my personal life, but I rarely get <laughs> to say on the air. I am outraged beyond words. Okay. <laughs> but I have a lot to say. Okay. <laughs> um, I think, okay, We. my first point, we've, for one, I mean, I know it's apples to oranges, different ref, different contexts, different matchups. You let Moicano go to the scorecard. I know, I know. You almost let the you let the zombie come out for the fourth round. Terrible. But you stopped. Okay. Was it the same? Was, he, was it the same ref? Was it Beltran? No, those no, two? no, no, oh. no, no. I mean, even think first... about Weidman and Rockhold, like that bloody apples to show. oranges. Yeah. Anyway, back to you. Still, yeah. <laughs> okay. My, my second point. I feel like. In the context of it, you can see that Velasquez isn't getting hurt. I feel like there's been plenty of instances, you, you hear the ref say it all the time, you got to move, you got to do something. Yeah. I didn't get that from Beltran. No. And I'm going to read it as this. If you're not getting hurt and you're Velasquez, your corner is probably telling you how much time is on the clock, and we got to confirm that. Just the same way we got to watch it back. Did Beltran... Is he telling her, hey, you got to improve this position. You, I'm not going to just let you take unanswered shots even if they're not hurting you. Uh, all of that's got to be reflected. But the way I saw that and the way it got stopped, if someone has a tight choke toward the end of the round and you're holding on those couple seconds to the end, does the ref stop it? No. No. Either no. you pass out or you tap. That's it. Yeah. It, look, you're very clearly in a tight choke. And once again, uh, well, how much time is left? You just said the ref doesn't worry about the clock. We all know this. I, I agree with this. And so you had neither of those two things, because that's what I think Juliana was doing. I'm not getting hurt. I'm ahead. I'm not going to blow myself out trying to buck out of this. Hang on tight. Round's almost over. Go back to work round five. Yeah. Um, we did not get all that. Instead, you know, I didn't not think that uh, i'm sorry liz is like well it was gonna get worse for her this is a championship you were down she's not hurt i need to see that yeah because what i saw is a champion who was not getting hurt not being close to being finished and the fight got called off because they were pinned down in a bad position which happens all the time like i said i didn't see that as oh she's getting beat up and the round's almost over it was more like you are surviving a choke. But it, look, the ref doesn't stop it because you know it's 12 seconds out. You just got to hold on a little bit here. That's what I felt like it was like. The da- if the shots aren't doing damage, you can't go in and finish it in a title fight like this. And that's just where I stand. I want to go on the record here. I'm a big fan of Mike Beltran. He, mm-hmm. I, I've seen personally in Southern California, not just UFC, not just Bellator. I see him refing regional shows. Yeah. I see, I've seen him ref a long time. I respect his body of work very much. I know there's a lot of talk about why doesn't he do more big UFC fights and all that. I know it's a long story. He is a very credible ref. I believe in his judgment out there and his commitment to his job and his craft and the safety of everyone 
I can't say that that was the right call. And that's just where I'll leave it. I respect him a lot. It's okay for me to disagree as the viewer. He does what he felt he had to do to protect the fighter and what he saw and what he felt in the moment. And once again, it's a very human job. You make split-second decisions out there. I can't say that that was the, the call to make in this context, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, Like I, I said, you. I had a lot to say. I know, but I, I hear you because it, it's, it's all, it all makes sense. You know, that's, I think, your opinion is how most people feel. And maybe my, you know, lesser degree of, of uh, outrage is because it's, um, you know, if it was like Rose Nama Yunus, uh, Wei Li Zhang, okay man that's there's more stakes in it you know for so you know not no no diss to bellator right but 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 i have to also go back to the the moment of like hey it's not liz carmouche's fault and i i feel like i don't want to you know add to the to the outrage right but yeah man like the the footage is the footage there is a moment where velasquez's head kind of hits the canvas and flops and yes you're right. She was probably just waiting for the round to finish, but she had her hands out, just kind of loose, not trying to defend. And I think that moment, you know, Beltran probably reacted too quickly, but he was right there. He was so close to her. He saw her eyes and he just, if he had just waited a nanosecond more, he would have seen that she, she had more to give. But she had her hands out, her head hit the canvas, and that was it. That's all she wrote. Hmm... <laughs> what's next I don't know if I could just let you move on from no I get it no look uh, I mean we could go back and forth all night I'm sure about this and that how to go how should it have um I will leave it at this it was um quite the week uh we're not even going to talk about them but you have PFL you have um uh, Clay Collard and Jeremy Stevens gave each other the business. Uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. and Roush Manfio, defending champs, picking up victories. So they are off and rolling. I believe it's the heavyweights and featherweights this week. And then next week is obviously big, the return of Kayla Harrison. Um, one championship was in action. And then Saturday night to steal the show. Sorry, Saturday afternoon here in the United States. We had some well, boxing. Before you move on, may I just quickly say, Clay Collard, as Jeremy Stevens, that was my favorite fight of the entire week weekend. Clay Collard's badass, dude. His boxing is just slick, slick, slick. Uh, so, so that was my my number one. For, you, you got to take the cake. You got uh, your yes. Okay, you win. He should have great call making him the main event. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I'm not thinking about that. Would have been good if he was a defending champion, but yeah, it would have been better. <laughs> Wait, but, but but also going further back, Liz Carmouche. When I said what's next, I meant like what? Oh, what, what's, what's next? Oh, what's next sorry. for her? Sorry. Um, <laughs> immediate rematch. Come on. <laughs> I think so too. Has to be as soon as possible. Has and to. Be. Who, who are they gonna go? Kish? You know, I, I don't yeah. think so. There's. Kana Watanabe, Denise Kielholtz. Maybe if Kielholtz wins, but Liz already got Kana in like 30 seconds knockout. It's got to be an immediate rematch, immediate. in my opinion. But yeah. I'm with you, bro. Here we go, bro. 
<laughs> okay, Saturday. Back to Tyson Fury. Yep. That was a sick show. I don't know if you saw the walkouts, but it felt epic. It felt long, but it felt epic. Like, it felt like I could make lunch, come back, and he wouldn't have reached the ring by the time his music started and ended. <laughs> but it was a good show. I, I appreciated the magnitude and the scope of it. Tyson Fury delivers, handles Dillian White. Um, Good show. Dillian not blown out, but you could tell who he was in there with. Tyson gets the knockout, sixth round, uppercut, beautiful, closes the show. And he's hanging out, he's said the stuff, and then, you know, they said the broadcast, and then they bring over the broadcast partners, because now everyone gets their one-on-ones in the ring, which I really yeah. like, personally, as an interviewer. And then ESPN is there with Tyson, and who's in the ring, and who does he call over? UFC champion Francis Ngannou. And he says it, oh, me and Francis are going to do this. It's going to be hybrid rules. And he says something along the lines of, um, what's it called? Uh, oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on it. Like, oh, maybe we're going to do MMA gloves in yeah. the ring, something different. And Tyson Fury's like, we're going to do this and we're going to figure it out. And I did see Tyson Fury ask Dinganu some other stuff that, I don't know if it's an English thing, but WTF, are you asking Nganu that on live internet? But okay. <laughs> anyway, um, Natalie, we've talked about it. And look, uh, Kamara Usman's doing it like, hey, like, I think Tyson was making $100 million for mm-hmm. that fight-ish yeah. neighborhood. I don't know what Francis Nganu made to fight Cyril Gan. I think he's talked about it, you know, the neighborhood. It's not worth close to $100 million. No. He fights Tyson Fury. It's probably not $80 million. It's probably not $50 million. I promise you this. It's probably going to be about eight, nine times more-ish what he made fighting Cyril to fight Tyson Fury. That's exactly why he wants that fight. And I think the fact that we have on air, on video, in a moment that Tyson Fury doesn't have to give anyone else the shine... He said, we're going to do it. I'm down to fight Francis Ngannou. Exhibition, not a pro fight. And Natalie, I'm not going to I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my gosh. It's going to happen. We're going <laughs> to do it. The powers that the MMA gods have decided we, we, we need nice things again. What were your thoughts? Do you feel any different now having seen that about the prospect of a fight happening? I okay. When we last talked about this, I was on board. I think you were not. You right. You were like, let's let's keep them separate. But I thought this is exciting. It's gonna be a fun fight. Okay. Watching this clip, Tyson Fury just at the top of the heavyweight kingdom in boxing, huge superstar all over the world, and Ganu holding his own in that in that sphere. You know, for MMA, he was smart. Tyson Fury to mention ESPN, ESPN, ESPN. Is the is the gonna be the the difference maker here? If ESPN wants this fight, if ESPN wants money, which I think they do, if ESPN wants this fight, they tell Dana White, "Yo, let's make it happen. What's the holdup? Let's go." So I hundred percent think this fight's gonna happen. Uh, MMA gloves, sure, fine, whatever, I don't care. Um, put them in a ring, put them in a cage, I don't care. The fight's gonna happen, and uh, you know, Hengano has to heal up from his surgery. 
uh, what do you think? By the end of the year, Merry Christmas? When do you think we'll see this? So I'm not going to lie. I saw the headlines from, um, what's his name? I, I haven't watched the interview yet. I know they just spoke like two hours ago with Nganu and Ariel Helwani. And I believe Nganu said that he's looking at most likely a um, November, possibly December, if everything goes perfectly with his recovery. Okay. That being said, he also said that everything with the contract is still there. And he said, if I'm going to re-sign with UFC, absolutely, the Tyson Fury fight needs to be a part of that contract. Right. There's no, we'll talk about it later, there's no guarantee. And I think that, I mean, this is just, everything straightforward, this is it. Nganu knows what he's worth. Nganu knows the time is now to get this fight, to have this fight. For Tyson Fury, I and he, I watched his press conference. He talked about he'll do he'll he's interested in WWE appearing there again, and all this. He's not going to fight Anthony Joshua or Alexander Usyk. Um, that wouldn't be an exhibition. It would be a pro fight, and he doesn't yeah. want to. And I do believe him. I know there's money on the table. He's leaving. He says he's not going to do it, exhibition or not. So that removes those that the quote bigger fights off the board. I think Tyson Fury is down. I think he Nganu feels Tyson Fury is down. You know the promoters are down. Uh-huh. Everyone with money to make is down except the UFC because, as always, they need their cut. Yeah. yeah. And it becomes a, you know, it, it becomes a bit of a, you know, look, everyone, it's a business, right? I'm not going to get into the, all of that. I think Nganu's drawing his line in the sand. I think the fact that he's coming off knee surgery, you know what? Take your time. If it happens, it happens. You never know, Natalie. He could try to ride off into, quote, unrestricted free agency. Make a UFC contract happen after he boxes Tyson. You never know. But I just feel like... I think that Nganu is not letting this one go. They're not going to get pushed off the table. This one's going to happen. And I, I'll be honest, I, I don't know why UFC wouldn't be all in. And I know Conor McGregor is such a special case. I know there's reasons why he's so special as a case. The time is now, Natalie. I want it. I want to see it. I want a press conference tomorrow. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, man. I, 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 I want you to feel my excitement. I want people listening. I, this is how hyped up I am for it. I know, man. It's uh, it's going to be a really thrilling, you know, marketing campaign, promo campaign, whatever, promo tour, whatever they do. I don't see why UFC doesn't get in. Come on. Like, you're going to make money, period. You're going to make money, and you're going to make ESPN happy. Or on the flip side, do you want to piss them off? Because if you dig your heels in about this, you're going to piss them off. Because there's a lot of money there, and Tyson Fury wants to do it. So... Like, you did it once. It was very successful. Like, how much did, did Dana White brag about all the money they made that year? And everyone's like, well, wasn't it mostly from, you know, Maymac? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, you're already making a, a ton of money. You got this great deal with ESPN. They're your great partners that you love so much. Let's just do it. It's not going to give... What The worst thing that will come out of it is you'll just have more fighters trying to fight boxers. But you're the UFC and you know that you're not going to let them. So it's a win-win situation. I'm excited, just like you, man. Let's go. Are you sure? I don't know if you feel. <laughs> I, I don't feel your excitement. I'm pounding I my chest. 
I don't feel your excitement like oh. I have. Ex- you, you don't mean it like I mean it. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe I don't. <laughs> I, I want nice things. It's been a hard two years, you know? Yeah. Um, rapid fire. Uh, so Robert Whitaker unfortunately, has to withdraw. He had a nagging injury that just he thought would kind of, you know, just keep at it. Don't pull the plug. But he had to for the fight with Marvin Vittori in June. Marvin Vittori shoots his shot. He says, look, give me either the Smash Bros, Darren Till, Hamza Chimaev, back to 185. If they keep Marvin on the June pay-per-view, who do you think he fights inevitably? And keep in mind, about the one obvious guy not on the table is Sean Strickland, who he's buds with. And even Sean. Sean, who says a lot of crazy stuff, has said, I'm not jumping at the bit because I'm cool with Marvin. Hmm. I know, right? In the car, who does he fight? Okay, memory memory uh, challenge here. When did Derek Brunson last fight? February. February. Hmm. Lost Darren? to Cannoneer. You know yeah. what? Darren I Till? actually like that fight. Okay. I, does, uh, did they schedule Derek for another one? I don't know. I got to look at that. I, I like where you're thinking, actually. Yeah. I like that you like it. <laughs> You're very welcome. Yeah, he, he's not on the books for anything right now. Okay. I like uh, Brunson. I, I I mean, I always like the pay-per-views to feel as, you know, ridiculous as possible. So yeah. I, I almost... <sighs> I would almost wait for Whitaker because it's such a good fight for both of them right now. You don't... But I, I get it. You don't know when Rob's coming back. Uh, Vittori hasn't fought since October. I like Brunson. A month and change? I like it. I like it too. You know what? I'm not even going to add more to that. I, I'm all in okay. on Derek Brunson. Rock and roll. If not Sean Strickland, but I already, like I said, I get why they're not doing that one. Okay, who's the next best guy then? Mm-hmm. I don't think Smash Bros are going to take it. I think Marvin Vittori's ahead of Darren Till right now. Hamzat has no reason to unless he wants to be a badass, which might be all, the only reason he needs. Who knows? Yeah, it'd probably be easy work for him. And I like Darren Till too, though, so yeah. lots some some good options there. Uh, the Nate Diaz <laughs> uh, fiasco. So UFC has this very popular line of NFTs. You get like the little medallion with the the clip and you obviously own the clip on the uh, the blockchain and a lot of this other stuff that I'm not going to get into because I don't this is a U- MMA podcast not a crypto podcast yeah but so the fact is UFC has these things they do well for them and they dropped last week oh get your Nick and Nate Diaz NFTs blah 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 buy here limited quantity etc etc and Nate Diaz don't buy these, you know, expletive NFTs of me and Nick. And you'll remember Nate tweeted like at Bellator, hey, you got to fight for me in Hawaii. I and know. it's like, bro, you're under contract. And it was like, <sighs> anyway, as if you need reminding, the rumor is that the UFC wants Diaz to sign a new contract before they give him Poirier. Or they want to give him someone who's high risk, low reward. That way he doesn't 
potentially lower the value of some other star on the way out. What are your thoughts on this? It's uh, my th- first of all, uh, a little bit of, of hilarity uh, from you know Nate Diaz always sticking it to the UFC. I don't blame him ever, but especially uh, not with the timing of this promotion. April 20th. It's like, come on, guys. You're just, that's just, just cheesy. Oh, it's 420. Uh, buy Nate and Nick Diaz uh, NFT. So, you know, probably he would have slapped them down no matter what date it was. But I think he was extra annoyed at their choice, thinking it was cool to do this on 420. So that's one. Two, uh, this is just wishful thinking, but I wish the UFC was kind of just like, you know, John Wayne about it. And it's like, if you want to keep fighting for us, we'll, 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 we'll honor your contract. But if you don't, man, like go off into the sunset and find somebody else. We don't want to hold you back. I wish that's how they dealt with their fighters. If you're not happy here and you can be happy somewhere else, go for it. I mean, they, they did it with Corey Anderson, right? Am I, am I wrong? Didn't they, like he asked to be released and they released him? Yes. I, I think the one caveat to that is that there are guys they still feel can make them that money. And, and let's say it, Nate Diaz is a needle mover. Mm-hmm. I think that Corey, they kind of felt like, look, you know, we're confident saying that you lost enough fights with us that we don't, if you're not bringing in Conor McGregor level money, big money, we're okay saying, look, you could go somewhere else. You already proved you're not the number one guy here, so we're not losing the value on it. I think that Nate brings too much money for them to John Wayne it, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like seeing it anymore. It's like, man, just let the man go. I or, know. or just end this madness. Because at this point, like, you know, sometimes I almost mute the guys on Twitter. Like, I, I don't got a problem with Dustin Poirier, but it's like every time he tweets at Nate, I'm like, bro, I'm tired of hearing about it. Yep. Like, it's like, dude, the, the, I, you and Nate are not the problem. It's clearly some behind-the-scenes stuff that they contractually can't talk about. But the fact is, it's just gotten ugly. And it's like you're watching another like two people in a relationship like argue and it's like dude i don't want to be a part of that's your personal business you got to figure it out but watching you guys fight is just i'm over it you know this isn't you know reality tv the kardashians the yeah i don't know who, who fights a lot the real some the real house the, people the house of something, fight a yeah. lot yeah whatever it's like i'm over it you know yeah. Me too. Clearly, you guys need to make something happen because this is getting worse, not better. Yeah. And like, but it's I'm... just like, we're not getting any younger here. None of us. The, Nate and Nick, the U, you know, the UFC is an entity, which that doesn't really matter. But as fans and them as fighters, like, guys, just, you know, you know, poop or get off the pot, right? If you will. Like, let's just make <laughs> something happen here. That's almost as good as macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing more to add. Um, (laughs) Look, we're obviously at the end of the show this Saturday. um, So once again, I believe it's we have PFL on Thursday. But then the big one, we have a Bantamweight fight. UFC Vegas 52, Rob Font taking on Marlon Chito Vera. Um, Rob, obviously coming off that high profile fight to Jose Aldo late last year. Chito coming off that knockout of Frankie Edgar 
in Madison Square Garden. Um, I think the big one uh, about this is that this is obviously a very key fight for both of them to stay in the mix. So obviously for Rob, had he beaten Aldo, he's probably talking about a top three opponent. You know, Corey Sanhagen, Peter Jan, TJ, try to get that title shot. For Chito, he's ca- he gets the win over O'Malley. He's kind of rolling along now after losing to Aldo. And it's like, you know what? This is... This is kind of like that one, right? He wins this one. It's kind of hard to argue him not getting a top four guy, not getting a title eliminator next, because he's just, uh, I'm not going to lie, he's clicking in that way that feels very organic. You know, he's got his thing, and he's kind of figured out his, I don't want to say branding, because it just feels like he's just being himself, but it's kind of like Derek Lewis. You finally have figured out the magic button to, like, get who you are to translate directly to the fans. And this has made you so much more popular. Rob Font needs it. Chito needs it. Two well-rounded guys, two well-conditioned guys. Um, Great, great grappling on the side of Chito and the physicality. Rob Font, probably a little more of a high volume kind of striker. Well-rounded too, but maybe not as, uh, I'll say as threatening off of his back or in the grappling as Cheeto. So you've got just a very interesting style fight. What about you? Yeah, definitely a very interesting style fight. Like they all, they both have just everything on the line here because a win here puts them right, right back into an important conversation, right? Uh, Marlon Cheeto Vera, all for me is a more complete all around MMA fighter, but Rob Font is, just just a superior you know boxer and he's got that jab that jab that jab that jab so my heart wants Cheeto Vera but my head thinks it's going to be Rob Font I think it's just going to be a a good you know awesome I should say main event not a barn burner but there's going to be a lot of moments where they're going back and forth and these two dudes are the kind that are just going to, you know, when the round ends, they're going to stand there and look at each other and be like, what, what? You know, like Cheeto Vera was doing that to Frankie Edgar, right? So I think Rob Font's going to win by unanimous decision. Uh, but we're going to see uh, a great performance from both fighters. Yeah, uh, man. For me, it's just hard to pick against Cheeto, who's putting it together like this right now. Yeah. I think it, Rob's got... Uh, his own set of weapons that I think really could pose Cheeto problems, but I think it's just the physicality and the skills. Uh, I think that that particular combo is going to, I think it's just going to be an uphill battle for Rob. I think that he's got to execute a really perfect game plan. I think that Cheeto gives himself more opportunities to, if he's not winning, bail himself out of it and get it back going. So that you put that all together, I think it just becomes one of those kinds of fights. So, um, all that to say, I've got Chito Vera winning this one. I think it's going to be a. I don't think it's going to be one sided. I think we got a good fight. I'm gonna go decision. Um, what about you? What was your official call? Uh, decision, unanimous decision. decision Rob. Rob. Yeah. Decision, Rob. Yeah. I was like, wait, I know she, she said decision, right? Yeah. Yes. I know you went, Rob. But um. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those. Um, it 
it's just one of those nights. It's one of those fights. Like I said, we got PFL. Natalie next week. The return of Kayla Harrison after being the belle of the ball. The Bachelorette returns to your television to show off her, you know, what are, what's she like in a new happy relationship? You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Um, Bellator. Um, Bellator Paris, the rematch between Ryan Bader and Chuck Congo, heavyweight title. Let's do it. And then UFC. Oh my goodness. UFC 274. We've got Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. Rose Namajunas uh, against Carla Sparza. And Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler. It, I, I can I just love that three pack so much. I think it's great television. I think it's a great week of MMA. I needed to get here already. I already am trying to figure out what night is the best night to order my pizza. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah, man. And there we is, have it. It's it's so good. It's uh it's exciting. I like pizza. I might go ribs. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Ribs is just not a fight food. Pizza. Like a tri tip, like a tri tip sandwich. You know? Okay. Barbecue. Better... Barbecue is what I meant to say. I might go barbecue. That, that's a fight food. It's like I, you know. <laughs> Like ribs, you gotta worry too much about getting it off your fingers. You know, no, 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 yeah. you just... I don't like to eat ribs. I like to eat try to barbecue. <laughs> yeah, you just chow while you watch the TV, you know? It's uh, less of a mess. Exactly. But anyway, guys, thank you for hanging out with us for this episode. We'll be back next week. Breakdowns, MMA news, recaps, previews, you know where it's at. Until then, have a good one. <laughs>